Today on Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet, When You Need Me. Everybody, you're listening to Bruce Springsteen Sings the Alphabet. It's the podcast where we talk about every Bruce Springsteen song alphabetically, one by one. My name's Rob Carmack, and every time I need him, J.B. Clark is here with me. How's it going, J.B.? It's going great. You know, you know, a while back I said, Rob, if you ever need me, you just call my name. And that's when I was me? like, what if we you hung call out? call my name. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, that's when I said, okay, cool, because I have an idea for the next four years of our lives. I have a crazy idea. It's so crazy, it just might work. Next four years, I don't know if you noticed, but we just got a contract extension. <laughs> Oh, we did. That's true. I mean, not just one contract ex- extension. Potentially we just got two, two contract extensions. No, confirmed two contract extensions. Yeah. So, yeah. So we have, and what Bruce, what Bruce, what JB is talking about, obviously, is uh, Bruce Springsteen has already announced Western Stars is, is being released next month in June. Or actually, yes. I guess it's this month when, when this episode drops. Oh my gosh. Is it going to be out by the time this episode it, comes out? It will be coming out. It will be, it's coming out the day this episode drops. Whoa. Well, the hey, everybody. After, the day after this episode drops. Happy Western Stars Day. If there's anybody out here listening to When You Need Me instead of whatever else is on Western Stars, I'm going to go ahead and say you should, you should change your, your habits for today. Yep. Yeah, swap them priorities. Absolutely. So we're we're definitely Western Stars is coming out imminently, it's just any, any second now. And then also Bruce has officially confirmed that there's going to be an E Street Band album and very probably a tour in 2020. So um, not I mean, very probably. He announced there will be an next year 2020. There will, will be an international E Street Band tour. Well, listen, you cannot count on it until you see the tour dates because this is what we heard about the Western Stars in 2015. Bruce, it's true, it's true. Bruce said, okay, I'm going to put out the River Box set. We're going to go do a couple of tour dates, and then I'm going to put out this new uh, singer-songwriter album I've, I've had in the drawer for a little while. And here we are in 2019, and we're just almost have it in our hands. So I, I'm curious I w- how much he's tinkered with Western Stars since first thinking it was going to be dropped. Yeah, I'm, I'm dying to hear about that. I'm sure at some point Ron Aniello will, will start talking about that, if nothing else. But um, but yeah, I'll, I'm, I'm super curious to hear about all the behind-the-scenes stuff on that album yeah. and i'm even more jazzed to hear about new e street band work new tour bruce is turning 70 this year so um you know every day is a gift and uh we're as, really as excited. excited as i am to hear about new e street stuff from what i've heard from western stars i'm not gonna yet say i'm even more excited about the e street band stuff western stars i think might be like one of my favorite records well yeah well and the thing the thing to be excited about the the reason the E Street Band stuff is more exciting than the Western Stars thing is because, as far as we know, he's not going to tour on Western Stars, but he's Good already point. but he's going to tour, or he said he's going to tour on whatever comes after that. So Western Stars may be a superior album to whatever he's going to do with the E Street Band, but the tour is like a tour is the tour. A tour is the holy grail. A tour is what we're here for, right? Yeah, and I, I think that. Uh... The E Street Band as a whole hasn't messed up yet on a, in the studio. You know what I'm saying? We've we've only gotten the best, <laughs> so that'll be good too. Well, I mean, we, we we could have a conversation about working on a dream, <laughs> but yeah, but that's that's <laughs> left over from that's left over from magic. Those are the you magic know, sessions, right? 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there's still some really good nice hot points on it. There are. And the E Street Band did great. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, it, the musicianship is not the thing that makes Working on a Dream yeah, it, it, a lesser album. Yeah, it's the solo stuff that has been, uh, at times, uh, not as good as, as everything else. Not to say it's bad. It's all pretty transcendent as far as I'm concerned. 
But from what I've heard so far, Western Stars is going to be just magical. I'm I'm pretty stoked about Western Stars. I'm I'm very excited to hear it, and it's possible that by the time everybody else is listening to this, we will have already heard every track. That's right. So. And I will tell you, yesterday I laid in the grass in my backyard and just stared at the sky and thought about what Western Stars is going to sound like. <laughs> you it, you imagine in your imagination, you listen to an album you no longer you're, you do not yet yeah. have access to. I did. <laughs> good for you, man. It was so good. <laughs> Way to use the power of imagination. That's right. Very good. Well, today. Yeah, I, came home, I changed out of my work cardigan into my home cardigan. Ooh. Cardigan and, uh, swap. The power of imagination. I love that. Like my neighbor, Mr. Rogers, taught me to. <laughs> well, what we're here to talk about today, sadly, is not Western Stars. But what we are here to talk about is the song, When You Need Me. And When You Need Me, JV is a song that was released in 1998 on the Mammoth box set Tracks, which we have talked about so much on this podcast. So in the last three and a half years, we've spent so much time talking about Tracks, And we're not done talking about it. No. We're going to talk about it next week. And we talked about it last week. We won't be done until the very, like literally the last episode of this first lap is going to be a song from Tracks. So we, we won't be done until we're done. And or until you know we're ready to get get to the second lap. So this song is on that box set. It's tracks, um, but it was written and recorded as an out or uh, during the Tunnel of Love sessions in 1987. So this is an outtake from Tunnel of Love, and this song has never been played live. So there's not a whole lot to talk about it in terms of live performances or other versions of it or anything else. The, the, what what you hear on tracks is pretty much what there is of this song. So. Uh, so that's that's pretty much the backstory of it. And we can get into sort of some more stuff as we get into theme and music. But um, I, I don't know. I mean, and I guess to that, you know, to that, what are your when you listen to this, what do you hear? Uh, I mean, it starts off pretty sparse. Mm-hmm. It's got um, just some picked out uh, acoustic chords and some sort of like a country melody sort of. Yeah. Um, which uh, I listened to an interview with uh, Ezra. I always say the wrong name. Ezra Klein. Oh, I was going to say it right. Ezra Koenig uh, ah. from Vampire Weekend. Ah. Uh, it's an older interview that I just got to. I think it was on Broken Record podcast. Uh, and he was. They were talking about country music and about people who say they don't like country music. They, you know. And he goes, I, I met a guy one time who told me he doesn't like country music. He just likes rock and roll, like Bruce Springsteen and the Rolling Stones. <laughs> and I looked at that guy, and I said, dude, you love country music then. That is country music. <laughs> yeah. Cadillac uh, Ranch is not... <laughs> that, that's not not country music. Honky Tonk right. One is not not country music. Well, even the most rock stuff is, like, just shot through with, with uh, country music. Like, American country music. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of Bruce's favorite musicians are, you know, folk, country... Americana. Well, yeah. I mean, how, how many times? Musicians. Yeah, how many times on this podcast? Like suicide and two other. <laughs> how, yeah, how many times on this podcast have we talked about like Woody Guthrie or yeah. you know or any number of of Pete Seeger? <laughs> yeah, Pete Seeger, like a folk country um, Johnny Cash for crying out loud. You know, like we right. Yeah, Bruce and country music have a very friendly relationship. Yes. Uh, so anyway, the verse when the verse comes in, you get some BGVs kind of shouted in the back. Sound kind of like little Steven. He's on. I don't think he's on this track. He's uh, not on. Sure. Uh, yeah, he, sure he was not call. in the. Rec- he was not in the studio for any of these. Uh, for any of the Tunnel of Love songs. Well, this was this was recorded th- Thrill Hill. Yeah. Well, it was it was remixed. It, some of this was re-recorded in '98 or just before '98 when they were prepping this, uh, the box set release. So the track it wasn't re-recorded entirely, but it was re-edited before track. So it was. Re- 
originally was recorded in 87, but Bruce Brown, like, tinkered with it a little bit in 98 yeah. or in, eight, in 98 and so one the thing that they changed mostly was that they added the drum overdubbing because originally it was a drum machine i think and then so they added drum overdu- overdubbing by gary Malaber, who plays drums on lucky town and ghost of tom Joad, and uh which is why it sounds a little bit more more 90s than a lot of tunnel yeah. of love songs uh gary Malaber, by the way fun fact he also if you watch the muppet movie and you hear like all the animal drumming sounds gary Malaber oh. is actually playing the drums for for animal very so, cool. So that's how I assume that's how Bruce found him. He's like, "Get me the guy that that plays the animal parts in the Muppet movie." <laughs> no, not get me the guy that plays the animal parts. If this was like a Ben Stiller sketch, who do you want to play drums? Animal. Yeah. That's uh, right. So you want a crazy animal in here playing drums? No, animal. Yeah. Which which animal from the Muppets? The only I one. Want, I want animal in here, and they bring in uh, Malibur, and he goes, "That doesn't look like animal to me." And so they have. They have uh, Malibu in a different room, and they have the guy doing the puppet. <laughs> that would be super funny. In the actual studio booth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I love to imagine this. Um, so there's the BGVs that are kind of hollered that are really nice, and some bass and drums in the verse. There's an echo also on the vocals, right? It sounds like he's like singing from, like far away. Yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like uh, there's the, the main melody, and then you've got just a room mic with a few folks doing doing some things or bruce doing some things on a few different takes from a few different spots in the room yeah um there's a very nice harmonica break with some little like acoustic leads just this really fast double picking that's super light um and very nice and that is really that is the that is the content of the song yeah uh not not a whole lot happening here musically it's nice it's light it's airy it's a little boring yeah, the bass is a little like walky up and down. It's definitely an outtake from Tunnel of Love. It's not. I mean, it doesn't even really sound like Tunnel of Love that much. Uh, I'm, when I say definitely an outtake, it's, it's definitely not on the record. I think this would make a really nice. Uh, like if Bruce put out a country record, uh, I think this would be a really good, you know, track seven or whatever. Well, and, and here's the thing about that, and and the, the whole song is a declaration of love, which already sort of makes it an outlier. Like, it already wouldn't necessarily fit on Tunnel of Love just for that reason. But also, um, the original plan, as it turns out, uh, for the Tunnel of Love album was that it was supposed to be a more straightforward album of just love songs. Like, this was supposed to be Bruce's Love Songs album, which obviously didn't quite go that way because of, you know, what Bruce was actually dealing with. Like, that... That also really speaks to like Bruce's integrity as an artist, that he wanted to make something and then sort of his own perspective like just very naturally sort of changed the direction of the thing. Because obviously, like, Tunnel of Love is not a straightforward love song album at all, but that's what he wanted to make. And this song was one of the songs that he wrote while he was kind of pursuing that line of thought. And if, if he had stayed that course, Bruce has said, like, he probably would have included. Like, this song and Lucky Man were both... Um, very close to making the album specifically because they were st- like more straightforward love songs, but they were left off obviously because they didn't belong. Acqu- uh, quoting Bruce, that that just wasn't the story he was trying to tell. So there, there's an alternate yeah. universe in which this is on that album, just because it's a like, fundamentally a, just a different album. And it, I would argue, I think we're better off with what we got than than what he had. I mean, I, I think that's why Bruce ve- like very naturally sort of followed, like basically followed his nose to like what what this album could and ultimately would end up becoming. Yeah. So, but like you said, like it doesn't really sound like it belongs on tunnel of love, but it also kind of sounds like it was created during that same time period. And that's why, uh, you want to, you want to take us through the lyrics? Yeah, here we go. So it says, when you need me, call my name. Cause without you, my life just wouldn't be the same. If you want me come sunny skies or rain, when you need me, just call my name. So this is a very straightforward 
love song. I'll be there for you. Country yeah. love song. So then uh, the next verse is, if you miss me, I'll be there to brush the sunlight from your hair. I'll be there, which I don't, the, <laughs> that's, that's a weird phrase, but uh, it says, I'll be there to guide you when trouble walks beside you. If you need me, I'll be there. And when this dirty world has been cold to you, I got two strong arms waiting to hold you. And when those mean days come along, we'll stand together and we'll take them on. So if you need me, just call my name. So, uh, yeah, that, um, if, if you miss me, I'll be there to brush the sunlight from your hair is like the, the line that all the poetry 101 teachers hate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It sounds over. No, rhyme, rhyme is good, but you know, you can, <laughs> you do other things. <laughs> Take another swing, you know, just yeah. try it. Just go back. Try, try just one more time. And then, uh, yeah, then the, the final verse is, when you need me, call my name, because without you, my life just isn't the same. Cause when this same world thing ki- there? Yep. Because when this world kicked me around, baby, you picked me up off the ground. So if you need me, I'll be there. So it's interesting. And this is a very, it's a pretty common Bruce Springsteen trope, which is in the first two-thirds of the song, he sets it up as one thing, and then he kind of reverses it in the third verse, and he does it here. Like, in the first two verses, he acts as if the woman he's singing to is a damsel in distress, and that's why he says things like, I got two strong arms waiting to hold you. But then in the third verse, it's like, he kind of goes back to this place, that he, he flips it, and he says, one of the reasons that I'm willing to say this is because you already were that strength for me. Which I think is a nice way to do that. Because there's a lot of songs that are very much, I mean, there are a lot of Bruce Springsteen songs that are very much like, you're a damsel in distress, I can save you. And that's how the song sets itself up. And then at the end, you realize that at one point he was the person in distress and he needed to be saved. And this person did that for him. And so it's, it's a it, it is a mutually beneficial relationship that he's singing about. So it, it is it's pretty idealistic and it's pretty um, on the nose and not not that complicated other than the other than the reversal in the third verse. It's it's not all that you know new or complicated, really. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's a pretty straightforward like. When times get tough, I'll be for you. I'll be here with you. And, you know, there's a billion love songs that are pretty much about that exact same thing. Yeah. When you don't know where to go, I'll be your beau. Yeah, pretty much. So my my poetry class in college, I took with, uh, it was the athlete section that I was the only person who wasn't an athlete Mm -hmm. uh, in that class. And it was great. I loved it. (laughs) Uh, But it was, it was some pretty stereotypical jocks and you know me and a poetry teacher and uh they were just they like most of them were just dead set on the idea that uh every line of a poem rhymes (laughs) yeah and this reminds me very much of that like this is the this is the uh this is what gets you an a this song gets you an a in the athlete section of poetry 101 (laughs) or 201 (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the the rhyme scheme. My yeah, teacher the, the, kept just every day. It doesn't have to rhyme. And everybody, when we did self critiques, they would just be like, "I like the way it rhymes." <laughs> well, that's the one thing that everybody sort of can identify as a thing that poems often do, right? Like, well, it right. rhymes. Like that's a that's a thing I know about poetry. So. Yes, but the, but in this class, it was that was a thing that poems should and have to do. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it was. Uh, I mean, it was a very enjoyable semester for me. <laughs> I made incredible grades, <laughs> and I didn't really work that hard. <laughs> well, I mean, everybody needs at least one or two classes on their transcript that were like that. Like, I'll know. tell you what, though, I'm not the third day starting pitcher for the Texas Rangers right now. Well, and somebody in that class is. <laughs> thanks for clearing that out. Who who in that class was that? Who did you go to college uh, with? Actually, it actually wasn't Lance. It was Lance's wife. She was a starting pitcher. Lance Lynn is the third day starting pitcher for the uh, Rangers, and his wife. Uh, she was the starting first day starting. 
pitcher for the softball team. Ah. Uh, at the time, they weren't married then. Well, how many strong arms <laughs> would you give this song? I like this song a lot, but I, I, two. You like this song a lot, but two? Yeah. Man, I'm a two also. It just it doesn't like do. I don't know if the context was different, maybe more. It just didn't do anything. No, it doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't take any risks. It's yeah. It's it's not. I mean, it it really it's like it's fine. Like if you if you're looking at like what. It is technically a song. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's not doing anything wrong. It's not. It's not like taking big swings and misses. It's just like it is a perfectly competently written song. And, and it's super sweet and very enjoyable. Yeah, it's fine. And I mean, I'm sure this uh, is one of those songs. Like, well, if you're gonna have like Bruce Springsteen music at your wedding, this one can pad yeah, out the set list, right. right? Like this one. This one fits. This is fine. So the band would love it if, like, the band would be like, "Oh yeah, we'll throw that in the set." Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> I'm one, sure this one is one of the a... six songs you want me to add to the set that you get. That aren't songs we already know. Absolutely, yeah. we would be happy to do it. Um, because you can't have somebody doing brilliant disguise at your wedding, <laughs> so you yeah. need something. Do you remember the Fray, the band The Fray? I do remember the Fray. It's, it's kind of like the Fray. The Fray wrote some just highly enjoyable songs that I would rate very lowly, just because it felt like every time anyone recorded a track, the producer was just like, "That's great, we're done." Yeah, <laughs> and they just put them together, and the band was talented, and no one said, "Hey, what if you?" <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's that that's a really good example of a group of really talented musicians who are just competent enough to write adequate songs, right? Like, they're pretty good songwriters too. Just nobody ever. It feels like they were just sort of streamlined, and no one ever, no one ever said, "Just try this." Yeah, they, I mean, no no risks being taken, not really. Yeah, and yeah, and then that um, that that's sort of what you have here, and and that that tells you. I mean, like like we said earlier, like Bruce was trying to do. He was in his mind trying to create something that his like the artistic part of his soul wasn't interested in creating. You know, so like this song and Lucky Man, like yeah, these songs were going to come out a little bit hollow because that's like he was trying to create an album that he didn't need to create. He, like he needed to create Tunnel of Love, but he wanted to create like a, an alternate version of just like sweet little love songs, and um, it, it that that album would have felt disingenuous. And this song is one of the songs that would have ended up on that album. So it makes a lot of sense that we look at this and we're like, it's fine. It just doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to matter that much. You know what I mean? It doesn't really seem yeah. to, to have any sort of like real substance to it because probably this is Bruce trying to muster something that really wasn't just naturally coming out of him. You know? Yeah. Well, like the finished product of it is really nice, but I think that if someone played this for me, just like, hey, I wrote a song. Do you want to hear it? Sure. And they played this for me. I'd be, I'd be kind of just like, cool. <laughs> yeah. And so part of it is, you know, part of the reason I think I like it is because Bruce is playing it, and part of the reason I think I'm critical of it is because Bruce is playing it. Um, but I think the thing I like the most about it is the product. The production is just really nice and sparse. Yeah. And that that really saves it a lot. I think. Well, and, and probably, like probably. His melody, you know, the way he sings it is nice because yeah. you don't hear him doing you know, whatever, Orbison, as often as you do hear him doing something else. That's a good point. Well, and also probably because they they fiddled with it a little bit in in, uh, 98, like probably a lot of the things that you like about the production were were things that they tweaked before they put... I I mean, Chuck Plotkin uh, produced the Tunnel of Love sessions, so it's possible, and he's, he's a totally... He's a he's a really good producer, so it's possible that everything that we like already existed, other than the Malibu drums. But 
I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know how much of that is 1998 and how much of that is 1987. That we yeah. Like. So um, that's sort of the weird thing about some of these re- these tracks that were released much later. Like some of them, Bruce releases almost completely untouched, and some of them he really messes with. And so, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know who to give credit to when it comes to like, oh, that this, you know, like you said, the production value here is very good. Anyway, so yeah, straight twos for when you need me. It is a fine song that I will probably forget about the minute we stop recording this episode. And we put it in the two of fame. Yeah, the two. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, the two, two and a half range is for songs that are totally adequate that we never, ever think about. And so. Yep. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's where we're at, I guess. So here's how here's how little I think about the song. I had a list of all of our songs like set up in a spreadsheet and a playlist with all of them on it. Mm hmm. And there's a lot of stuff in my spreadsheet that is like the dates they're going to come out, who's starting them, you know, and reading the lyrics, what day we're going to record. All that stuff is is on the spreadsheet. And this song was not. <laughs> it wasn't even on. It's on the master list that I sent you like before we even started this. So, yeah, I know. And I guess I skipped right over it. Like so, your brain uh, just rejected the very existence of this song. Yeah. And so uh, I had to go in and move all the stuff after this, which isn't that much, but everything I had to move and redo uh, because I, I just I hadn't really thought about the song at all. I do wonder if we had skipped this. I, I know that there's a handful of listeners out there who would have caught it immediately, but I, I do wonder how many people would have never known. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, I will say that this is if anyone noticed this group of people listening right now would have. But I feel like it would have not be the thing that gets commented on the most. Yeah, You know what I mean? The, the mistake that gets pointed out the most. Uh I already made that mistake. <laughs> Day one, <laughs> right out of the gate. Well, yeah, it's good to yeah, it's good to get that that over with early, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah. This is, you you know like in Doctor Who, there's that villain. There's there's the the species of alien called the Silence, and they're terrifying to look at. But the minute you stop looking at them, you forget you don't remember that they exist. And uh, I feel th- that's what this song is. Like when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, yes, I am fully aware of the song. And then I'm going to turn off the recorder and somebody's going to be like, hey, have you ever heard the song When You Need Me? And I'm going to be like, uh, you refresh my memory. I don't know. Have <laughs> you, you ever heard the song When You Need Me? Oh, yeah. That song is one really specific species of villain. That is a song. That is a species <laughs> of villain. They're yeah. aliens that wear suits. All right. Uh, anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we definitely talked about this song more than anybody else has ever talked about this song i'm willing to say uh so hey, and turn this off and go listen to western stars yeah that's silly. really good advice that, that's you big silly dumb dumb yeah you big silly dumb anyway and obviously we're recording this in the past so we the the jb and rob who are talking right now have not yet heard like all we've heard of the two songs that have been like released early so uh you're the people who are listening to this know more about Western Stars than we currently know. So congratulations on being in the future, everybody. So uh, anyway, yeah, so go listen to Western Stars. And then once you listen to Western Stars, you can come back and join us next time. We're going to talk about the song, When You're Alone. When You're Alone.